Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I believe the clear teaching of the Bible is pre-millennialism. And if you disagree with me, you most certainly are in good company because there are many people who disagree with me and disagree with others who hold this pre-millennial position. So if you disagree, you're free to disagree. But the the pre-millennial position simply teaches that Jesus Christ will return to the earth and then a thousand years of righteous ruling will begin on the earth. Now, a good rule, a good biblical rule of interpretation is to take the scriptures literal. Listen, as you're interpreting the Bible, a rule of interpretation is to take the scriptures literal unless there is a clear reason not to. Simple as that. It is literal. It is what it says. It is what it is unless there is a clear reason not to. For example, last week we talked about Jesus who At the battle of Armageddon, a sword was going to come out of his mouth and was going to slay all of his enemies. And he's going to put all of his enemies down with the sword that comes out of his mouth. Now, we know that this sword coming out of his mouth must be a figurative sword and not a literal sword because that would then say that there's this super huge, long, 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 long sword coming out of his mouth and everywhere he turns, he lops off heads and cuts things down. So we know that that's figurative, the sword. Then we looked at Ephesians chapter six, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So then we know now that, that the sword that's coming out of his mouth isn't a super huge long sword, but it's the word of God that kills and slays his enemies. So we need to take this thousand years literally because God has an important work to accomplish during the thousand years. Now, the Bible is replete from cover to cover concerning The millennial thousand year reign of Christ. A lot to say about it. According to Isaiah and Ezekiel chapter 17, during the millennium, Israel will be a superpower of the world. It will be the leading nation in all of the earth. The Temple Mount will be the capital of the government of the Messiah. And the Bible says in Isaiah, all nations shall flow to the capital of the government of Jesus During the millennium, everyone who lives on the earth will submit, will submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 2 tells us it will be a time of forced righteousness. There'll be no war during the millennium. Armed conflict will not be tolerated. 
Fascinating, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6 through 9. During the millennium, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Notice the peace and the harmony during that thousand years. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's amazing. During the thousand years, a child can play with a poisonous snake and not be harmed. A child will be able to lead a wolf or a young lion or a bear. It will be an incredible time of peace because the Prince of Peace is on the throne, Jesus Christ. Amen. And I love that. Then in Isaiah uh, chapter 65, verse 20, it says, During the millennium, no more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not filled his days, for the child shall die a hundred years old. But the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. In other words, you can have a baby. You'll have a baby in the house, and the baby will be a hundred years old. That's amazing. I hope he didn't continue to wear diapers and huggies. I mean, think about that bill for huggies. It's expensive. A hundred years old? And get this, if you die before the thousand years are over, then that would speak of the fact that you were rebelling in some way or sinning in some way. During the millennial kingdom, people are going to live longer in the millennial kingdom because there's going to be no disease. There's going to be no sickness during the millennial kingdom. During the millennium, the environment will be like the Garden of Eden, tropical. When Jesus comes back, he will speak the word and everything will be made right environmentally. Now think about this. During the millennium, During the millennial reign, there will be a lot of people on the planet. People will be, now, 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 between services here, there was a guy who, who, um, I need to clarify this with, and I should clarify it with you too. Uh, The thousand year reign of Christ is different than the kingdom of God. This is a thousand year reign of Christ on the earth. When you move to chapter 23, we move to chapter 21 and 22, we will see a new heaven and a new earth, and it will be the kingdom of God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But this thousand years is a thousand year reign of Christ on and over the earth. Now, during this thousand years on the earth, people will still be having children. The earth will be heavily populated during that thousand years. I mean, think that's a lot of kids. If people keep reproducing, you'll have kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-great-grandkids and great-great-great-great-great-grandkids and great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandkids. There's going to be a lot of people on the planet. 
Lots of people. And there's going to be an environment where there is righteousness and peace and prosperity. I mean, can you imagine a world where there's no hospitals? A world where there's no pornography? A world where there's no military bases? A world where there's no murders or rip-offs? A world where there's no lotto? Lotto's gone. CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, DEFG, all gone. It's a world of righteousness. It's a world of peace and prosperity. Christ is ruling and reigning with, and we're reigning with him. Now, you say to me, Rodney, listen, if Satan is bound, then how can people sin? Good question. Well, let's understand something here. The environment during the thousand years is perfect, but people are not. The environment is perfect, but people are not. Now, there are lots of people on the planet who haven't been influenced by Satan because Satan is still bound in the bottomless pit. There's lots of people who haven't been influenced by Satan, and they still will have the human nature. Their nature, they're going to have to deal with that. And that's where we come in. Because we're going to be ruling and reigning with him during that thousand years. And we will enforce his righteousness. Now, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot to do to tell you the truth. So many years ago, I was in the Middle East. And it's very interesting. In the Middle East, the punishment for murder is immediate death. And guess what? There's a very low murder rate. Interesting. The punishment for theft is immediate, cut off your hand. And having been to the Middle East, I, several times, as a matter of fact, I, I've never seen anyone with one hand. So the fact that there's going to be a kingdom that is of righteousness and peace and prosperity during that kingdom reign, I think that there's going to be a healthy respect for the king of kings. Yet I don't think it's going to be out of fear. I think it's going to be out of love because love is going to be the motivating factor. You see, during that thousand years, people are also going to experience the love of God in a way that they maybe have never experienced it before. And so people will respond to the Lord out of love and not out of fear like in the Middle East, but out of love during the kingdom, during the millennial reign. Now notice in verses 4 through 6, and then we'll wrap up here, pick up again next week in verse 7. Notice in verse 4, and I, John, saw thrones. Now very interesting here. And they sat on, and they sat on them. And judgment was committed to them. I'll tell you who them are in a minute. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark. Remember that mark? Had not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part 
in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Notice John sees two groups of people, if you're taking notes. John sees two groups of people. John sees thrones and seated on those thrones are people who have been given authority to judge. Who are they? The church. Very good. That would be you and me. The church. During the millennial reign of Christ, there will be ruling saints, the church, ruling over the earth. Now, if you're taking notes, here's your homework. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. Paul talking about the fact that we will judge angels and rule over the earth, judge the world. Psalm 149 talks about saints executing judgment upon the nations. Jesus in Matthew 19, 28 says, Assuredly, I say to you, you who have followed me will sit also, will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So this first group that John sees is the church on the throne. Interesting. Ruling and reigning. Man, that's awesome. We're going to be ruling and reigning over like whole states. Wow, I hope I get Hawaii. <laughs> well, I don't know, maybe, I mean, that's kind of a moot point because if the earth is going to be changed environmentally, then I guess all the states will be Hawaii, like Hawaii, I hope. Notice the second group. Notice the martyrs of the tribulation who had come through the great tribulation. Again, your homework, Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 when Jesus opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altars the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. These are tribulation saints, those who have come through the tribulation or even been martyred during the tribulation. Revelation chapter 7, verse 13, talking about those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus. Those who had not worshipped the beast or his image received the mark who were put to death for their faith in Jesus. All those who overcome in Jesus will rule and reign with him, and they are a part of the first resurrection. Now, for many years, give me your attention, I was completely confused about the first and the second resurrection. Very confused for many, many years. When is the first resurrection? And I thought it was difficult to understand. Listen, it isn't difficult to understand. I'm going to try to make it simple for you. What is the first resurrection? Let me tell you this first of all, that this word resurrection is found 40 different times in the Bible. 17, very interesting, out of those 40 times, these words, the resurrection, came out of the mouth of guess who? Jesus. Very interesting. In other words, no person spoke more about the resurrection than Jesus Christ himself. Now, the first resurrection is not the first in the sense of first ever to happen. It's not the first in terms of first ever to happen. The first resurrection means first in regard to second. First in regard to second. In other words, there are two resurrections in the scriptures, talked about in the Bible. The resurrection, the first resurrection, if you're taking notes, write this down. It is not 
a single event or a point in time. The first resurrection covers a span of time. The first resurrection begins with Jesus. Remember Colossians 1.18, he is the firstborn from the dead. He is the first in order, first in prominence, and the firstborn from the dead. The first of the, this event known as the resurrection, but it covers a long period of time. Now, those who will be raised in the first resurrection are all those who died in faith prior to Jesus' death on the cross. Let's understand something here. Before Jesus died on Calvary's cross and rose again, ascended into heaven, when people died, they did not go right into heaven like you and me. When we die, we go from here to heaven. When they died, they went from here to paradise or Abraham's bosom. Luke chapter 16, awesome story. You got Abraham's bosom. There's this great chasm between Abraham's bosom and hell. The rich man is in hell. The poor man is in, the beggar is in Abraham's bosom. And they're talking back and forth to each other. Look up that story. It's really interesting. But when Moses and Abraham and, 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 and all of the Old Testament saints, when they died, they went into paradise. Now, when Jesus died on Calvary's cross, the Bible says, Please stay with me. The Bible says that he first descended and he set the captives free in Ephesians chapter 4. Who were the captives? Those that died in faith prior to Jesus rising again. So when Jesus descended, he set all of them free. Now get this. Matthew chapter 27 tells us that they those who died in faith, they rose from the grave. They're walking around in Jerusalem and people are seeing them. Matthew 27, 52 and 53. Verse 52 and 53. Interesting. The graves were open and many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, they are part of the first resurrection. Now, listen, the first resurrection also includes the rapture of the church. First Thessalonians tells us the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And at that time, this mortal, corrupt, filthy, stinking dirt bag of a body, I will get a new body that is immortal, that I can be in that heavenly scene, in that kingdom reigning with Jesus in my new body. That's a part of the first resurrection. And then the first resurrection continues on into the millennium with those who had been martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. After the tribulation is over, the tribulation saints rise in the first resurrection. The first resurrection, there are many pieces to the first resurrection. Are you with me? But all of those will rise in this first resurrection. Next week, we'll talk about the second resurrection. Okay? But notice what John says in closing in verse 6. I got to wrap it up. In verse 6, let's read it again. John says, blessed and holy is he who has part in this first resurrection. Hmm. You see, you're blessed. Holy, that just means set apart. That's, that's the word saint. So blessed and you're a saint. 
holy, set apart, is he, you. Put your name there if you're a Christian who has part in the first resurrection. The resurrection is a resurrection of blessings. It's a resurrection of blessings. Blessed and holy is he. And then it's a resurrection of power. Notice, over such the second death has no power. And then it's a resurrection of privilege. They shall be priests of God, shall reign with him 1,000 years. Now, you might be asking the question, Rodney, what is the reason for the 1,000 years after Jesus comes back? What's the point? I think the point is simple. Remember, Satan is bound for a thousand years. Gone for 1,000 years. Satan is not active in the world. He's not tempting people. Remember, it's, a, it's, a, it's an environment of righteousness and prosperity and peace. Satan isn't tempting people. Satan isn't causing people to do bad things. You know, Flip Wilson said, the devil made me do it. No, not during the thousand-year reign of Christ. The devil's not going to make you do anything because he's bound. So if a person during the thousand-year reign of Christ, stay with me, I'm coming in for a close. If a person sins, rebels during the thousand years, Isaiah says that, that God is going to rule with a rod of iron. That means quick judgment. You sin, judgment, just like in the Middle East. You kill somebody, you're dead. During the, during the thousand year reign of Christ, you sin, you're judged. It's as simple as that. And if you sin, and Satan has nothing to do with that. He's not tempting you. He's not causing you to sin. He's not active, involved in your sin at all. Then what does that tell us? That tells us then that Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, Jeremiah was right when he said, the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all, in all its ways. Who can know it? Jeremiah said, that, that our sin is not a matter of Satan causing us to do this, that, or the other. Your sin, our sin, is an issue of our nature. It is, we are born sinners. Now, I, don't misunderstand me. I realize that this flies in the face of what we're being taught. I realize that, that at our universities and our college campuses are not telling you that, but the truth be told, we are sinners by nature, not because Satan makes us sin. And we can see that never more clear than during the thousand-year reign of Christ. If someone does sin, then Satan is not a part of that. That has everything to do with the fact that our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, Jeremiah said. Who can know it? You don't even know your own heart. I don't know my own heart. It's that wicked. It's that evil. It's that filthy. So then our sin is not necessarily a matter of what Satan causes us to do, but the fact that we are born sinners, just like the Bible says, and shaped in iniquity. And that tells us no matter what, no matter which way you slice it, the fact is we need a Savior. Amen? We need Jesus. We need Jesus. 
Because it isn't a matter of what Satan makes us do. Jesus died on Calvary's cross not for what Satan would make you do or not make you do. Jesus died on Calvary's cross because we have a sin nature. For all have sinned. In the Greek language, the word all means all. And that's all all means. So all have sinned. Everyone. Every person. None righteous. Not even one. And thus we all need a savior. And that's why Jesus came. And that's why Jesus came. That's what, and that is what the thousand year reign of Christ will show us. Of course, <laughs> we're going to be in heaven. We'll see all this from a heavenly perspective. We'll be in the grandstands watching, ruling. And if Hawaii comes up, I got Hawaii, y'all. I'm just telling you now. All right. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1 800 293 0923. That's 1 800 293-0923 or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.